0: We welcome you into The Scoop on Life. Chase and Lauren back with you. Uh, so glad to be along, and we are very excited about today's show. Uh, we have a returning guest, John Enzor. We had him on last year, and we are excited to have him back on today. Uh, John Enzor is the president of Passion Life, where he trains Christian leaders in biblical bioethics and pregnancy crisis intervention in countries suffering the highest rates of abortion worldwide. He is the author of Innocent Blood and Pregnancy Crisis Intervention. He has an article out right now on Desiring God called The State of Union on Abortion. We're going to talk about that today, so sit back and enjoy our conversation with John Enzora. When we talked uh, to you last year, John, we were really in a different... in a different time. I mean, things are, are much different now in the last year. Um, I think last year, uh, under the President Trump administration, um, we were making some pretty, pretty large strides as far as pro life uh, in this country. And um, we read your article, State of the Union on Abortion. Of course, they're on Desiring God. Can you talk about, uh, kind of break that down for us? And we really want to dive into that uh, article today, but just how things have changed under this new administration that we're in.
1: Yeah, my article is a quick synopsis of how important elections really are. Uh, we often say now the elections have consequences. We can see that now. I think there's uh A BINARY CHOICE THAT WAS SET BEFORE THE AMERICAN PEOPLE LAST FALL BETWEEN BIDEN AND TRUMP. AND THERE WERE LOTS OF REASONS AND HESITATIONS THAT PEOPLE HAD ABOUT TRUMP, BUT uh, BECAUSE OF HIS PERSONALITY. BUT IN TERMS OF HIS POLICY, HE WAS A FRIEND OF THE UNBORN. AND HE STOOD VERY COURAGEOUSLY TO TRY TO ADVANCE THEIR HUMAN RIGHTS, ESPECIALLY WITHIN THE HUGE uh, FEDERAL GOVERNMENT SYSTEM. And all of that now has been completely reversed. So just about everything that we tr- we saw as an advance during those years, we now see at a very intentional effort at undoing that, mainly in terms of funding, for example, Planned Parenthood and the UN Population Fund and all the other global entities that are out there. That are promoting abortion um, worldwide as the le- as the message of salvation and their worldview. Abortion is salvation uh, to many of these uh, people, and uh, and we've seen the attacks on pregnancy centers uh, once again uh, ramp up. Uh, we have seen um, uh, the promotion of of fetal tissue uh, experimentation and the selling of body parts, uh, come back again. So all of these things that are really discouraging to us as a movement, uh, are, are now in a cycle in which they're on the rise.
2: Well, and could you talk, I know you, you mentioned a few of those things, but could you talk about some of the changes specifically in the last few months, maybe regarding the Hyde amendment, um, mail order abortion, just some of the things that have happened, um, maybe in a little more detail.
1: Yeah, I think besides the funding of abortion and the and the funding of it worldwide, uh, the other areas of great concern is the abolition of the Hyde Amendment. I mean, it's the one area. You know, and I don't work in the I don't work in politics. I work with the church, okay, and and I work in world missions. But in terms of politics, the one area that for 40 years, uh, there's been sort of a a coming together between the advocates of abortion and the pro-life movement has been the Hyde Amendment. And basically what we've agreed to is while we battle out the larger issue, can we at least agree that that which is justified as a person's private decision ought not to be then paid with public dollars So no funding for abortion coming out of the federal government. That's what the Hyde Amendment provided. And every year, year after year, every bill that was passed included a clarification that all federal funding for abortion that might be involved in this spending um, uh, is not allowed. You know, no federal funding for abortion. If you want abortion, we'll argue about it, debate it, uh, but we won't pay for it. And that's now being uh, that was something that Biden supported for decades and is now being pressured to reverse. So that is a very, very big deal, because once that's lost, I suspect it'll be lost forever. Mm. And then the other big thing that I see happening is that once the federal government sends a signal that it's in favor of abortion at, at any time during the life of the mother, absolute um, uh, protection of abortion through all nine months, then all these other agencies and and agencies that work through the government and with government dollars begin to ramp up. So now we're starting to see, um, for example, uh, chemical abortions. Uh, all of the all of the safety precautions that were ramp- wrapped around, chemical abortions are now being undone so that they really want you to be able to go to the store, grab uh, the chemicals for, for a chemical abortion and do it. And again, it's just a, it's, it's, it's just a, an evidence that the healthcare women um, is sort of a ruse because the evidence of chemical abortions impact on the health of women, let alone the health of the baby is uh, uh, is very disturbing. And why would they promote it this way? Well, I just think they're promoting it because they're pro-abortion at the end of the day. So these are the, some of the things that we see uh, ramping up really big time.
2: Right. And is there, was there, would there be anything else that you think would just be helpful to know, like for our listeners, for us, like, is there any big um, bills or laws trying to get, be passed um, that are significantly different than maybe a year ago at this time, in addition to what you've already mentioned?
1: Well, perhaps your 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 audience remembers that several years ago, New York passed a, ball, a bill at the state level, and they and they they uh, basically removed every single kind of protection for the unborn child. Uh, they went further than Roe v. Wade, which has some sort of layers of restrictions as the as the baby develops, okay, the rights of the child become more and more recognized. New York did undid all of those. And, uh, and lately in June, the Democrats uh, introduced the Women's Health Protection Act, which basically then takes what New York did at the state level and tries to federalize it, which would mean that all of the state laws that have been passed in various states at any level would be uh, declared, uh, would be nullified, okay, by the federal law. Hmm. Every single kind of abortion limitation or protection for women that would be nullified. So these are some pretty serious threats that hasn't been passed, but that is the intention of, of, of the Democratic Party at this point.
2: So I think that as I hear you talk and as if, um, you know, as I think about just some of these laws and rules and just our presidency and, and, and for me personally working at a, at a pregnancy center and Chase and I hosting the podcast, caring about life issues, you know, it can be really tempting, um, to be discouraged, you know, to think we just, it just seemed like we were making such great progress in, um, issues revolving around life again, under our previous presidency, but at the same time now, um, hearing all of those things that you just said, knowing what's going on, knowing um, the way the Biden administration views abortion and um, women's health care. And so um, to kind of flip the switch a little bit, I'd like to ask, are there good things happening? And I know that your article referenced a few of them. So if you just want to hit on a few, um, maybe as you, you put it, some light in the darkness, um, that's good news that's going on despite yeah. the bad.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, before I get to the good news, let me preface it by saying that those of us in the pro-life movement probably need to have a more sobering, more uh, deeper, clarifying understanding of the evil that we're up against, okay? I remember years ago when I was just involved in the pro-life movement back in the late 80s, early 90s. Somebody said to me that they thought that abortion would have been outlawed by then, And I was a little surprised because I don't think they understood what we're they were up against. I think what we're up against in abortion is so profoundly evil and so rooted in the demonic that we delude ourselves to think that there's a quick solution here or if we can just get the right amount of people on the Supreme Court or get this guy elected. It's much more deeply rooted in that. Than that, and I think we need to be sober-minded about what we're up against. I take my lead from Psalm 106, that talks about how um, child sacrifice is actually the work of demons working through people, not knowing that they're being moved by demons. Uh, Psalm 106 says they sacrifice their sons and their daughters to the demons and they poured out innocent blood the blood of their sons and their daughters and the land was polluted with blood and i just think that when it comes to abortion and uh, and this form of child sacrifice that's the evil that we're up against so i'm a little bit sober-minded and that prepares me to recognize that there's going to be ebb and flow in this moral struggle There are going to be seasons where we make great progress and then seasons where the tide turns and there's a pushback. And then there's a pushback to that. And there's an arc of history that we're going to have to go ahead and endure the many ups and downs of it. And even now you can see that the more that Biden has pushed and promoted abortion, the more he has awakened people to do things that they were not doing a year ago. For example, Uh, I found out that there are, at the state level, uh, there are all kinds of activities going on at the state level right now that are encouraging. Um, uh, In fact, I think it's something like, I'm finding the data here. Um, In the first five months of 2021, during the Biden administration, 48 US state legislatures advanced approximately 489 pro-lac bills. And as of the end of May, 89 pro-life bills had from 26 different states had been enacted. And nobody's going to remember those numbers, but the general impression is that a lot of things are happening at the state level where we still have the power to make changes, the power to, to pass laws that reflect the rights of all human beings, born and unborn, are happening. And powerful bills, bills that outlaw abortion... Uh, for children that are diagnosed with down syndrome, for example, they're saying, no, this is wrong. We're going to, we're going to stop it. And uh, so there's just a lot of things happening at the state level. In addition, it's not lost on me that the biggest Supreme court decision is now before the court. The biggest one in, in 30 years is now before the court. That's going to come up in Dobbs versus Jackson, women's health organization. And it's going to be another opportunity for the court to move the ball one way or the other. I'm not necessarily overly optimistic that the Supreme Court will rule in the right way. I'm a little bit uh, hesitant to believe that, but I'm hopeful and I'm willing to pray for it. Uh, that this is an opportunity long in the coming for the court to weigh in again and recognize that whatever the science was back 45 years ago, it's advanced. And their whole structure of justifying uh, abortion was based on viability. And uh, we had a baby born earlier this year at, at 21 weeks and survived. And I believe it was uh, at 28 weeks back in the day when Roe v. Wade was passed. So. All of these things are at work and they create the pushback to the pushback. and ebb and flow of the battle. Yeah, and, and John,
0: you mentioned a, a second ago you are uh, you know, you're not in politics, you are you're in the church. And so my my question to you is what can the church do? Uh, what can we as believers as the church do as we watch this happen? in front of us, uh, as we, uh, you know, look to the future, what, what can the church do?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, some of the activities that we have done in the past, uh, at the federal level, obviously we don't have the power to make those changes, but again, politics is very volatile and it changes a lot and there's a lot of reaction and, and reaction to it. And we're in part of the larger cultural battle for the, for the overall direction of our nation, what it's going to stand for. And I don't think anything's going to change there. We are either going to have to be a people that stands for life and is willing to suffer for it, or we're going to keep accommodating to to the the changes that we see out there. Prayer sounds often like uh, almost like a a last resort, but really is a first resort when you're up against demonic things I think it's actually a bit foolish to think that that we can simply organize our way out of it, okay? Uh, demonic things need to be attacked at a very high level of intercession and prayer and fasting. And and I, I really find that when people say they pray for the end of the abortion, it's hard to measure that. But I can't believe, according to the Bible, that that isn't really important and that we probably... Uh, we'll never know how important it is, even though it feels a little bit like what we do instead of something else. Yeah. I don't mean prayer alone, uh, but activities alone will not change the situation. So prayer is really important. And I just encourage us as a people to to, to buckle down for the long haul and to join one another uh, unapologetically to pray for the end of abortion uh in our lifetime or in the next generation, however long it takes. In the same way that previous generations really worked over several generations to end uh, the slave trade in America and then the slavery itself, and then to start to secure the rights uh, of more and more of our minorities. So that's kind of my view for it is, is I I wanna, I want people to pray and not give up on that. And that's,
2: um helpful and convicting to hear you say because I totally understand what you mean that it can sometimes feel like well all we can do is all we can do is pray like well prayer should be the first thing that comes to our mind to do and I, I mean even for me I feel like I know exactly what you were talking about that it can feel like well I just you know I, I'm doing all these things I'm involved in pro-life work. It's like well have I have I personally taken time to slow down and to ask God to end abortion as we know it. You know, and I would say I haven't like I should have and I know I haven't and so that's helpful to hear. If we believe God is who he says he is and we believe that he answers our prayers, why haven't I and why why wouldn't we, you know? So I appreciate that for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think um especially those of us who are activists, you know, we're we are the doers, okay? I don't need to give a list of things that we should do actually because for 45 years the pro-life movement has been creating entry points for people to actively stand for life, whether they're students on campus, where the pregnancy center movement's gone from a few centers in 1968 uh, to over 2000 pregnancy centers and maternity homes. We've created opportunities for people to to save lives and to intervene and to stand and in in college campuses and high schools and in politics and at the state level and the federal level and within the realm of doctors and the realm of lawyers and the realm of policy and health we've got all kinds of opportunities and i do it worldwide so i'm working in china i'm working in 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 vietnam and cuba and all these different places And it's very, very important for me to discipline myself to set aside some time in which this is an hour where I will meet with some people and we will pray about the things that we're doing and that we will acknowledge that nothing that we're doing will ultimately work unless God favors it and honors it. And in that regard, we are showing the same kind of faith and courage that the midwives in Egypt uh, showed. And I mentioned them in that article on desiring God, because for me, over the last 10 years, uh, the midwives in Egypt have been sort of my go-to analogy, okay? Especially in a place like China, where they have forced abortion by law. And if you remember in Exodus 1, the, the Jews were commanded by law, to do child killing they had to kill all the baby boys and it was the midwives who become the pro-life movement of their day says they feared god and let their babies live they actively started to rescue their babies they weren't going to run for office you know in egypt it was a dictatorship they weren't going to change they couldn't even change their enslavement okay uh, and in today, when people are always competing about where, you know, we need to do this and we need to do that. And, and if you're just, you just care about the babies from the time they're conceived until their time they're born. And there's all these other issues and all this kind of stuff goes on. Uh, it's the midwives of Egypt who as slaves still felt that this was the hill they needed to die on. They needed to to, to rescue these innocent babies from being born. And everything else followed under that priority and it says that they feared God and let their babies live and the the Lord blessed them. Why? Because they saved their babies? No, because they feared God and it was evidenced in the rescue of the baby. So ultimately, I think we do well as a pro-life movement to see our activism as a direct result of our love for and fear of God and our petition for him to let his kingdom in the heaven come down to the earth in this regard.
2: I love how you said that, that he favored them because they saved innocent lives. No, but because they feared him and that fear led them to save innocent lives. And I think that's so important not to get those things mixed up. Like you said, as an activist or someone who's actively um, working in the pro-life movement to say, I want to fear God and then let that dictate what I do rather than I'm trying to gain approval or this is even my main um, means of just acting is, is doing doing but say these midwives feared God and then this um, saving of the innocent flowed from that. I love that.
1: Yeah. And it really means through all the ebb and flow of the politics of things, we're not really taking our direction from the politics. That's that's the the, the, the current uh Clouds going across the sky they're here. They're gone. They come back again. Okay. What we're really saying is That everything that we're doing in the cause of life is an outworking of our faith In jesus christ that we are going to stand for him because he is the giver of life And he and 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 our faith in christ goes out into the world it says in uh second corinthians the The aroma of Christ goes out in the world as the fragrance of life. So we're going to keep our faith connected to our pro-life work and never let them be separated. And if we do that, then we'll have the strength to endure the various ups and downs that come along with the politics and the seasons of that. And John,
0: you you mentioned a minute ago just... Um, you work in, in other countries as well, your ministry, Passion Life, you, um, you see what, what is going on in other countries. Kind of what does it look like here in, in America compared to other countries on this issue of abortion?
1: Well, uh, it's a big world out there, and, and uh, unfortunately in some of the places where we have the most to be encouraged about, countries like Zambia, for example— or El Salvador, or uh, uh, Guatemala, or uh, these countries actually still have pro-life laws, protections in their laws and in their constitutions. Well, they are under severe attack right now by the Biden administration. In other words, those places that we would say, please lead the world back again into valuing human life, they become the targeted mission field for Planned Parenthood and, and all of the money of, the glo- of, of our federal government. So in some cases where life is still valued, they're under increased attack, just like we're seeing it here in America. In other places, I think there is uh, like China, for example, China really sees abortion as not a political issue. Uh, and the Chinese people and even the government come around to recognizing that abortion has not served them well. And so there's a attitude change in places like in China, in which they've gone from one child to two children to three children now. And basically what we're seeing is that there's a tremendous opportunity for Christians in China to start rescuing babies and advocating for life and impacting the culture in a way that they've never had in the last 50 years. So, again, there's some really exciting things happening, and then there's some really uh, discouraging things happening, depending on what part of the world you're talking about.
0: John Enzer, he is the president of Passion Life, and uh, you can go check out his article, State of the Union on Abortion. It is on DesiringGod.com right now. John, we we really appreciate your time with us today. Thank you so much for what you do. Uh, and and your passion for being pro-life, and uh, we really appreciate you and your time this afternoon.
1: Thanks, John. It's great to be with you, Guy.
0: We enjoyed our conversation with John Enzor. He is the president of Passion Life. He also has the State of the Union on Abortion article right now on DesiringGod.org. You can log on there and read that, and we hope you enjoyed that interview and if you've uh, missed any of our past podcasts well they are available for you just go uh, wherever you listen to podcasts spotify google play apple podcast app and search for the scoop on life you can subscribe and listen to all of our past episodes also check us out on social media we're on facebook and instagram just search for the scoop on life podcast thanks so much for joining us this week we'll see you next time for more of the scoop on life